Up next, Rob Smith is problematic, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. To the radical left, to the Antifa scum types, to everybody else that thinks that the MAGA movement is over, I got some news for you. It is not going anywhere. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. Guys, the MAGA movement isn't going anywhere. And I feel like I need to let people know because there's a lot of people on the radical left and in mainstream media and everybody else who is pretty much taking in this this lie that Joe Biden is the quote unquote president elect right now. And they think that this means that the 70 million people, over 70 million people that voted for President Donald Trump that are a part of the MAGA movement, the Make America Great Again movement, are just going to go away. They think that we are just going to disintegrate into thin air. We were told for the last four years that we were the scum of society. We were told that we were racist. We were told that we were sexist. We were told that we were homophobes. We were told that we were just hateful people. We were told that we were bitter and clinging to our guns and our religion. Remember that one? We were told all of these different things for the past four years. And now that the left has thinks, the left thinks that they've gotten what they wanted. And and I'm not going to go into the election stuff because I did that last week and there's so much different stuff coming out. I'm not even going to get into that. But now that the left thinks that they have won, they think that they're going to get president-elect, quote-unquote, Joe Biden. They think that they're going to be able to push their leftist agenda down the throats of America now that Donald Trump is allegedly out of the way. I've got some news for them. They're not going to be able to do that because there are 70 million-plus people that voted for Donald Trump's agenda that continue to support the president. And now, now that... The left has gotten what they've wanted now that they've gotten their president-elect, now that they're doing these ridiculous YouTube and Twitter videos crying about, you know, oh, President, the vice president Kamala Harris and oh, Joe Biden, like it's a time for unity and healing. No, pardon my French guys, but like, fuck that. This is not a time for unity and healing because you do not come to people who you've spent the last four years ruining their lives. And let's get into this a little bit. I came out as a supporter of President Trump about what was about two and a half years ago. Um, And there's some people who've been taking the crap that I've been taking since 2015 because they knew that Trump was the one when he was coming down the escalator. They knew. They knew that he was the one to drain the swamp. They knew that he was what America needed. They knew that he had an America first agenda that America needed. And there's been people that have been taking these hits since 2015. I've been taking them for, for since, uh, since about mid 2018. And I will tell you some of the things that have happened in my life. You know, I've told you guys some of this stuff, but not all of this stuff. I have, I've had people that I've known since college treat me like I'm nothing, treat me like, um, I'm just some sort of deranged conspiracy theorist because I got on board with the Trump agenda and I got on board with the Republican party. I've had my best friend, of 15 years literally just dropped me via a text message because of how I think about things. And not even me. We have seen so many different things happen. We have seen people physically attacked for supporting the president. We have seen people doxxed. We have seen people fired. We have seen people lose their livelihoods. We have seen families stop talking to each other all because of politics, all because of people decided to support the president. But now, 
that they've gotten what they wanted. Now it, it's time for everybody to come together for some unity and, and for some healing, huh? So this is what they say. This is what the left does when they get what they want. So I was in D.C. last weekend uh, for, it, it was a march of a lot of different Trump supporters. You want to call it the Million MAGA March. You want to call it the Stop the Steal. There were lots of different things happening in D.C. last weekend. And I was there. I was coming off of, um, I, I did my last book tour event for 2020. Well, one of my last ones in Washington, D.C., the uh Gay conservative group, Log Cabin Republicans, hosted me, and, and we all came out. We had a we had a really good time. So I decided to stay in D.C. over the weekend and just to see, you know, what was going on. And so Saturday morning, we went. I went with a couple of friends of mine, and we just went to the march. And what we saw was honestly beautiful. It was so many Trump supporters and Republicans, different races, different sexual orientations. Like there was a, there was a lot of gay Trump supporting guys there. There were families there. There were all of these people and what they were marching for was the president, was, was President Donald Trump, but they were marching for the MAGA agenda. They were marching for the America First agenda. They were marching for everything that we have seen that was so positive over the past four years. And these are people, they had their MAGA gear on, they did like big old flags, their Trump flags, America flags, um, America first flags, all of this stuff. It really was a beautiful moment. There were lots of great speakers at the event. CJ Pearson, who I'm going to give him a little podcast plug. CJ Pearson, if you don't know who he is, he's he's amazing. I think he's 19 years old, conservative spitfire. He has a podcast called CJ Pearson uncensored, I believe it's called. So definitely give him a follow and check out his podcast. But he spoke and Scott Pressler spoke and, you know, uh, Madison Cawthorn, one of our new uh, congressmen elect spoke, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene spoke. So just a lot of people and what people were saying was that this movement is not over. These people are not just going to pack up and go home and go back down into the shadows because the hatred that we have seen and continue to see from the left is what is what's bringing us back out. It's what's fueling us to not go back in the closet because we can never go back to the way things were before. But back to the rally, it was a beautiful event. And, you know, I talked to my husband a little bit. I told my husband, you know, I was like, you know, I'm going to D.C. on the last end of this book tour and he gets worried sometimes. And he's like, you know, I get so worried when you're out there without security and when you're out there in the crowd. And I'm like, no, babe, it's cool because... The MAGA movement is about love, and I, I've never felt unsafe in crowds of American flags or, or red hats or Make America Great Again shirts or anything like that. As a matter of fact, I feel the safest in those crowds. And it was really beautiful seeing this movement that has come together for America and that has come together in support of the president, in support of his agenda, but also in support of election integrity. Because no matter what happens when this election is certified, no matter what happens with this election, guys, and, and I'm telling you, I still have belief. I think that there's a lot of stuff that's going to come out, but I just I don't know sometimes. And you know what? It's not for me to know. It, it, it is up to the legal team and it is up to all the people that are putting together all the evidence right now. It is up to them to take it from here. But what I do know is that no matter what happens all of this energy, all of this MAGA energy is still going to be around. 
And this was the very definition of a peaceful protest. These were people that were, um, you know, some people recognize me. You know, I took a couple selfies like, oh, Rob, you know, you, I listen to your podcast or I, I follow you on social media or I see all this. And, and guys, this is like nothing but love, right? Because as, as the great Scott Pressler always says, and as he said during the rally, this is a movement of love. This is a movement of love for our fellow Americans. This is a movement of love for our president. This is a movement of love for our values as Americans. And I cannot emphasize that enough. I cannot emphasize how strong and how powerful this stuff really is. And everybody marched to the Supreme Court because I, I think that the Supreme Court is where this is going to end. And it was just all of this love and it was so much good stuff. And then it started getting dark. And then what happened was so much violence and disgusting and despicable and sick violence from Antifa and the radical left. And I saw all of this stuff I got out of when you go to things like this in D.C. or in one of these major cities, you know, there's there's areas that, that you just don't go to unless you're really looking looking for something or looking for a confrontation or whatever. And I didn't go to BLM Plaza and I didn't do all that stuff because I knew that these people were going to be out and it's not safe to be around. And it's certainly not safe for somebody like me to just be roaming around um, at night in D.C. with with all these Antifa people there. And the saddest thing about it right now is that we have normalized people running around with with masks on their face. And these Antifa guys, they have masks on their face, they got their hoodies up, and and this is something that have been normalized in all these shithole cities from D.C. to Portland to Seattle and everywhere else. This is normalized now. So the violence started when this Antifa scum came out. And we saw a lot of this stuff on social media. Women, children, elderly people assaulted. There was video of an older woman with her Trump flag and some little Antifa puke, probably about 25-year-old guy, is yanking her flag away. There was a black mother that's a Trump supporter. She was with her kids. And she's getting assaulted. There's people around her screaming at her, spitting at her, all of this other stuff. It was so much, and it was like a fire hose of of these videos coming out of social media on Twitter, and they're still all over Twitter, and I shared a couple of them, but they just make me so sick to my stomach. These Antifa pukes and this kind of violence makes me sick to my stomach because it is so anti-American. But yet, this is what the left has wrought. And while their mainstream media cheerleaders who are trying so hard to convince you that Joe Biden is the president-elect, that are trying to convince you that Biden and Harris is going to be some sort of unity ticket or a time for healing or all of that stuff, the mainstream media blue check mark, quote unquote, journalists ignore this stuff. They don't say anything about it. They ignore these elderly people being attacked. They ignore people being physically beaten. They ignore... Women and, and children, there was a video of these these kids that were screaming because these grown adult Antifa people are harassing them. For what? Just because they have different politics. And the mainstream media and the journalists and all of these people on the left that look down their noses at us, that get on their high horses about this stuff, ignore it. 
They ignore the violence that we can all see playing out all over the internet. Because you know why? This is their fault. This is what the left has wrought. When Kamala Harris told people to stay out in the streets earlier this summer, yes, I I remember that. I will not forget it. When Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and any of their minion leaders don't say anything about this violence, when Joe Biden says says that Antifa is a quote-unquote idea, this is what they've wrought. And I've got to say, and you know what, maybe this is going to get me in trouble with, with some people that are, that are super pro-MAGA and super pro-the president, but look, I've sacrificed enough to be in support of the president that I should be able to be a little bit critical, so I am going to be a little bit critical. The president of the United States has full authority to stop this stuff, and he should have. He should have sent out the National Guard. He should have overruled whatever the hell is going on with the D.C. police in the fact that their mayor is not empowering them to do their jobs because she's playing politics, Muriel, ba- Muriel Bowser. She's playing politics, and, and she's trying to get a job in the Biden, in a quote-unquote Biden administration. But if you know that these people are on the streets for you, and I'm, I'm talking about the president here, and I'm talking about the people that came to support the president, there's got to be something more that you can do with all of the powers that you have at your disposal to stop this stuff. And I'm sorry, just law and order tweets isn't like just aren't cutting it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. That's not cutting it. What are you going to do? And it's unfortunate that he will not send out the National Guard or do what he needs to do to override what's going on. Because what was going on and what happened in the streets of D.C., on Saturday night is unbelievable. This is not something that should be happening in America. But it's happening. It's happening in D.C. It's happening in Seattle. It's happening in Portland. It's happening in so many different other places. And the reason why is because this is what the left has wrought. And they want conservatives and MAGA people to just go away. They want us to shut up. They want us to just disappear. But I'm telling you, that is not going to happen. There are going to be people out in the streets on this side, on the MAGA side, on the pro-Trump side, that are going to be peacefully protesting. And I think that it is going to continue to happen. And when we get on the streets and when we protest, we protest peacefully. We don't throw rocks in storefronts. We don't tear down buildings. We don't burn out buildings. We don't throw Molotov cocktails. We don't assault police officers. We peacefully assemble because that is our right. And what the left hates is the fact that we can peacefully assemble, which is why they send out their violent Antifa goons to go attack people. So everybody on the left, there is no more moral high ground. You have no more moral high ground. You don't get to turn up your nose at us. You don't get to sneer at the MAGA movement. And you don't get to say or pretend that that you on the left are more enlightened than everybody else because we see who you are. Because Antifa is who you really are. Like I said, they want conservatives and MAGA people to just go away. They want us to shut up. They want us to disappear. But that will not happen. And there are so many encouraging signs that this MAGA movement is here to say that this MAGA movement is going to reshape American politics for the next few decades. And I'm going to tell you what they are after the break. 
If you were watching CNN or MSNBC or any of uh, our wonderful mainstream media over the past couple of months leading up to the election, well, you would have been led to the belief that there was going to be a huge blue wave this election. Oh, remember, they were supposed to strengthen the House majority. There was going to be a big blue wave because the Americans just could not wait to vote for this quote-unquote progressive utopia that was going to be ushered into this new era by the likes of AOC and in the squad and everybody else. Well, it never happened. The blue wave was a puddle, if not a small trickle. And it didn't happen because what happened is it turns out that most Americans don't like socialism, don't like terms like defund the police, and don't like riots. It turns out that they just don't like it. So what happened instead of that alleged blue wave that we were supposed to get? Well, it turns out that Republicans are on track for a House majority in 2022. Republicans flipped, at this point, seven seats, with a couple of more being contested. There are a record amount, or there will be a record amount of Republican women in Congress come January. There are a lot of different things that are happening with this MAGA movement and these candidates, and we are actually changing things. And the reason why we're changing things, there's a guy named George Santos, who I believe just came the first gay Republican congressman ever which is very, very exciting. And what it turns out is that people don't like terms like defund the police. People don't like the riots. People don't like the socialism. And this is happening. And we see this because there are a lot of people that realize that this is hurting them. Even some people on the left realize that this is hurting them. Remember, there was... A, um, I think there was a Democrat that was very much in a swing state, and she barely um, lost her seat. Her name is Representative Abigail Spanberger from G- Virginia. And if you listen to that call that got leaked on the Washington Post, she basically says the party, and she uses a lot of colorful language as well, and she says the party should never use the words socialist or socialism again. And she said that they lost good members because of that. And she predicts, rightfully, I think, that Democrats will get torn apart during the next midterm elections otherwise, if they don't stop with this. Because it is not working for people. Florida, Miami, Florida, of all places, they flipped a seat from blue to red. Maria Elvira Salazar, I believe her name is. She won. She's a, I believe that she's, um, she's Latina. I believe that she's Cuban. And she won her race. And you know why she won her race? Because she hammered down in the Hispanic and Latino community about the message of socialism that is being pushed on the left. Turns out, like I've said before, Hispanics, Latinos, Cubans don't like socialism. As a matter of fact, they hate it. And it is enough to get them to vote Republican. But everybody, don't tell AOC this. Don't tell Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez this. Because she thinks that, again, it's not about their messaging. 
it's about Republicans launching, quote unquote, very effective rhetorical attacks against Democrats. These people are so in their bubbles on the left, some of the the more far left progressive people, quote unquote progressives. And I don't even like using progressive because it's regressive, um, I think, a lot of their ideas. But they are so locked down into their bubbles that they don't even realize that they're hurting themselves. And so AOC is now fighting. So there's there's a civil war going on. And so now they're all fighting with each other. Now she's saying that, well, the argument is not to go less progressive. We should be going more progressive. So apparently she just wants to go even more further down the socialism, down the defund the police lane. And even Bernie Sanders, if there's, you know, if socialism has a king and a queen, the king of socialism is Bernie Sanders and the queen is AOC. And even Bernie Sanders is doing interviews where he is lying through his teeth saying, I've never heard anybody say defund the police. Yes, you were saying defund the police. And AOC said many times that when they say defund the police, they mean defund the police. It doesn't mean reimagining policing. It doesn't mean any of this stuff. They mean what they say. And guess what? Voters listen. Voters heard you. Voters know exactly what you're saying when you say defund the police. And by the way, when you live in an area that is crime-ridden, when you live in an area that is unsafe, when you live in an area that is inner city or lower income or whatever that that is predisposed to more crime. Defund the police is the last thing you want to hear. But the thing about it is, with people like AOC and, and the rest of the squad, and this is how wh- why they get a lot of pushback from Democrats that are in seats that are a little bit more tenuous, you know, seats that are a little bit more, you know, centrist to moderate Democrats. Because you can exist in that New York bubble that Bronx bubble that these people are existing in, where your district is Democrat plus 38. You're never going to, nobody's ever going to take that seat from from AOC. And, you know, the, look, look, the right runs, you know, they they run people all the time. This, I'm going to be the anti-AOC. I'm going to go beat AOC. You know, you, you're never going to beat her. That seat is going to be hers for as long as she wants it before she decides she's going to do something else. But they're in a bubble And if you look at a map of how the vote went, you will see how little blue there actually is in this entire country. And let's look at a congressional map. So I want you to go and I want you to look at one of these congressional maps and I want you to see across the country who voted blue and who voted red. Democrats and the elitists and the people that keep on voting for them, it is starting to become more and more and more the party of the deep blue cities the party of the media elites. It is not the party of real working people anymore because real working people do not like socialism. They don't want to defund the police. People just want to be able to live their best lives. And they are not presenting that anymore. And the reason why to take it back to why I know that the MAGA movement is strong, why I know that it's not going anywhere is because And again, no matter what happens with this election, Republicans in the GOP have started to figure out how to speak to people 
and how to speak to their real lives and how to let them know that our ideas are better. If you want to talk to school choice, I'm reading a brilliant book right now called Charter Schools and Their Enemies by Thomas Sowell, because I really wanted to understand the, the argument for charter schools deeper than I did. And charter schools work. They are a better idea. Border security works. Patriotism and loving America and loving this country, it works. Conservative ideas and Republican ideas work. The problem is that for so long, we were not talking to working people. And when Republicans started attempting to talk to working people, they were doing it in a way that was demonizing the other. Because a lot of the stuff that that people give Republicans crap for, you know, the stuff about, oh, you know, they're they're so racist, they're so xenophobic, they're so this, blah, blah, blah. We can't, we have to keep it real. That language has existed in the past in the way that Republicans talk to a primarily white voter base. But now what we're starting to figure out is how to speak to issues that affect Americans regardless of color and race and all of that crap that divides us. And that is why the MAGA movement isn't going anywhere because we have created that multiracial, multicultural coalition of working class people. And I don't care how much money you make. You can still talk to regular people. I look, you guys know I, you know, came from a very working class background. I just I like I literally just started making money like like five years ago. I just started making any kind of any kind of real money. And even yet and still, like it's not I'm not some multimillionaire. You know, I'm not doing this inside of, you know, my palace or anything. But I came to this conclusion. And I've talked with a lot of people in the MAGA movement about this. And I'm not just talking about social media celebrities, I'm talking about real people. And you see that you never and I will never lose my ability to be able to talk to somebody who is just barely making ends meet or somebody that is waiting tables and doesn't know what they're going to do if there's another lockdown and they're in their restaurant shuts down. Because I'm not that far away from that stuff. And you never forget that stuff. And that's what we're building, I think, in the GOP. And that's why the MAGA movement isn't going anywhere. And in speaking to this question, and how do you talk to the working class, there is um, some news coming out about what may happen in the first 100 days of a potential Joe Biden administration that has to do with, quote unquote, canceling the student debt. And I think that that is a fascinating conversation to have. And I'm going to go into that a little bit after the break. Hashtag cancel student debt. Cancel student debt is something that has been talked a lot about uh, from the far left, from people like um, Ayanna Presley and, and, and you know, the, the AOCs and, you know, the, the, the main people that, that we're always talking about. But the cancel student debt idea has gotten, gotten a lot of traction on the left. And so what does that mean? What does cancel student debt mean? There are people <clears throat> that think that because they have student loan debt upwards of hundred to 150000 or more, that it should be canceled because the system is at fault. And it is the system's fault 
that they have taken out this student loan debt. My ex-best friend, who had gone to a liberal arts college because he had felt entitled to that sort of liberal arts education and, you know, the quad and living on campus and, you know, just talking about ideas. He had felt entitled to to all of this stuff and took out I, over $150,000 of student loan debt in order to do this and now is a big proponent of canceled student debt, obviously, because he doesn't want to pay his student debt. So there are a lot of people who feel entitled to that. And so cancel student debt is trending because Chuck Schumer says he has a proposal out to Elizabeth Warren to cut the first $50,000 of student loan debt and wants Joe Biden to do it via executive order. Now, this has obviously triggered a lot of different emotions online, and and I'm probably going to get into a little trouble with this, but, but I really do want to explore this because... There's somebody that I follow um, that's a conservative online. Name is uh, Chad Felix Green. Interesting, very interesting fellow that I follow. And he, like I was talking about in the last segment, comes to conservatism and comes to conservative values from a very working class perspective. And I'm not sure how he feels about cancel student debt, but he says that Republicans don't talk about this in the right ways. Now, I will tell you that I have currently about, I believe, $38,000 in student loan debt. I took out student loan debt to get my undergraduate degree in at Syracuse University. Was it the right choice? Absolutely not. Do I regret it? Uh, I don't regret going to school at Syracuse. Had a great time there. I learned a lot about the world, less about uh, about what my major was, but I learned a lot about the world at Syracuse. If I had it to do over again, would I go to Syracuse and would I take out that debt? Absolutely. Um, I would do it again. I've, I've been paying off my, my student loan debt for a while. I, I cut some corners. I, I, I pay it off. I make it happen. Now, the question is, because I still have about $30,000, $36,000 of student loan debt. So the question is, how would I feel if they canceled student debt? In the reality of the situation is that I would feel two different ways about it. First of all, I would feel, honestly, I would feel a little relieved. I'd be like, okay, so this is something that I don't have to worry about. But on the other hand, it's almost like a cop-out. And I think that a lot of people feel like it would be a cop-out because if you're using taxpayer dollars, and let's be clear, this is going to be taxpayer dollars. This, This stuff doesn't just go away. If you're going to be using taxpayer dollars to pay off student loan debt because people made poor decisions as to what degrees that they were going to use, as to what they were going to study, as to how much money they were going to take out to do that, then there's an element of unfairness to it. Because I know other people as well that treat student loan debt as if it was free money. And I had a fraternity brother in college who took out... Over, I believe he it was about $225,000 of student loan debt. First of all, I don't even know how it's even possible or legal to take out that much money, but he did. And he was just living like a king during undergrad. And I remember seeing it. And a lot of my education was was subsidized, obviously, because I went to the military and, and, and I served and did all that. But he was like living like a king. And, you know, now he's got to pay that stuff back. And... I don't know if you get to that level, if it's ever going to get paid back. But there are some people that are pissed off about it. 
And there are some people that are like, well, how are you going to relieve this debt when I either paid off my student loan debt like I was supposed to or didn't get into debt in the first place? So what message does that send? And I think that the message that this sends, and this is this is what the Democrats want. This is what the left wants. This is their voter base. The message this sends is that you will never, ever, ever be responsible for your choices ever. And to solve the problem in that way, to have Joe Biden, provided he gets into the White House, do away with $50,000 of student debt by the swipe of a pen, it, it just it sets a bad precedent. And the reason that we're seeing all of this stuff happening with the left right now, the reason that we're seeing Antifa, the reason that we're seeing all of this stuff is because there's so many people who have never been taught a lesson or who have never been taught to be responsible for their actions. Like everybody always thinks that everybody, your life is your fault. And everybody always thinks that everything is somebody else's fault. You know, these people, they oh, my student loan debt, like that's the government's fault. Or if your life sucks, you know, it's somebody else's fault. Or like, if I'm an asshole at work and nobody likes me, it's just all them. Like, at a certain point, it's you. I've had to have that conversation with myself so many times when I've fucked up. And I fuck up a lot. I still do. I fuck up every day. And at a certain point, you have to have the conversation with yourself. Whose fault is this? Whose fault is your life? Whose fault is it that you have $50,000 in student loan debt? Whose fault? I'm 15 pounds overweight right now. Whose fault is that? Whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? It's your fault. Your life is your fault. And it is these people's fault that they have these massive amounts of student loan debt. It's not the taxpayer's fault. It's not America's fault. It's not certainly not my fault. It's not your fault. So why should our tax dollars go to pay for it? And there's a lot of people that think that that reaction to this idea of canceling student loan debt, it's like sour grapes. It's like, oh, you want everybody to struggle just like you did. And it's not even that. I want people to be held responsible for their own actions because if they are not, then they do not learn the lesson. And it will just be something else. If it's not student loan debt, it's going to be credit card debt. And if it's not credit card debt, it's going to be going into debt for houses they can't afford and stuff they can't afford. And and who's going to bail everybody out for this? So what it comes down to is that the federal government cannot legislate smart life choices. And this idea of canceling student debt is a way to let millions of Americans, grown adults, men and women, it's a way to let them off the hook. And it's to say, here's the daddy of big government. Oh, big government daddy will do it for me. Oh, you know, daddy Biden will forgive my student loan debt. Daddy Biden will give me free college. Daddy Biden will give me free health care. Daddy Biden will give me free, 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 free. It's bullshit. And we need to stop coddling people. And we need to stop letting them off the hook. And I do believe that canceling student debt is letting far too many irresponsible Americans off the hook and not teaching them the fundamental lessons that they need to learn. So, you call me an asshole? 
You can say that I'm too harsh. You can do whatever. I think canceling student debt is a bad idea. And I think it's a bad idea because that is not going to fundamentally teach these people the lessons that they need to learn. And if they get the debt canceled and they're not being taught the lesson in that way, they're just going to have to learn it another hard way. And then they'll be running to the daddy of big government to let them off the hook then as well. Thanks so much to my sponsors. Please support them so we can bring the show to you for free. Visit my show page at robsmithisproblematic.com and please tell your friends about the show and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so other people can learn what the show is about, be introduced to me, all of these problematic thoughts, and introduced to our community of problematics. Thanks to producer Stephen Calabria and researcher Aaron Kleekman and executive producers Debbie and Newt, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Part of the Gamers 360 Network.